true. You guys still haven't been to an actual real Bitcoin event, have you? And uh, the Bitcoin conference, it's coming to Europe, coming to Amsterdam. This is huge. You know? Wow, in October. Yeah, so not long, not long to go at all. It's literally, um, yeah, just over three months now. To miss no show was, um, he's on holiday. Even though he didn't know the, ev the event dates. Okay, here it is. We are back. The world's most bullish podcast brought to you, as always, by Mr. All In, a.k.a. the Trillion Dollar Man, Dr. Evil's 10%, a.k.a. the People's Champ. He is here, live and direct, suffering last week, weren't you? And myself, Sir Neverlook, yes, a.k.a. the Excellence of Execution. We are back in full effect because naturally this is no show it's still mrs no show apparently she tried to turn up last week when there was no show <laughs> <laughs> no one believes this <laughs> Did he, yeah it's a one-man show with no show click the link was waiting in the lobby for five minutes no one was there and we might have to wait another 60 episodes for Mrs. No Show to return. Episode 60? Wow. You sound so much much, much further along than 52. <laughs> so on. Get to triple figures. Yeah. Another celebratory drink. See if we can get to triple figures before Bitcoin gets to six figures. <laughs> race the race the race is on the race is on <laughs> well right now <laughs> no your bitcoin clock is not broken <laughs> <laughs> it's in decline since we started the show on uh, episode one <laughs> we had a we had a high but then now i can't see exactly what you're on 18 19 oh i just refresh here 19898 Dollars. Oh, the wife stopped asking. That's good. It's good. <laughs> she don't need to know. This is good DCA time. We're going to get straight into it because we've got a bumper show packed for you. This is two weeks worth of content. And let's start on the positive because, yes, whilst price is down, people are still buying. Not just us because we're always buying DCA and it's, it's going for cheap. But the Giga Chad himself. Yeah, the two Chads, Michael Saylor and Bukulele, both announced in the last week they bought some more Bitcoin. Uh, admittedly, I think they're slightly smaller amounts of Bitcoin than they normally DCA, which is a slight Correct. like bearish trend, but they're still buying. So MicroStrategy bought 10 million. That brings their average to 30,000 per coin. So they are down a good 33% there. So, they're down, I think it was 1.6 billy last um, <laughs> action, but but sailors, he's, he's DCA and he's getting his average buy price down, which is always a good thing, right? It's something that people forget about in bear markets. If you, if you did buy the top and your average price is above where we are today, 
it's don't be upset until it goes above it. Try and bring your average buy price down and continue to buy and your average price will continue to go down. That's what's happening to Sailor right now. He bought loads at 60K, but now he's buying a load at 20K, which is bringing that average buy price down. Yeah. And then uh, he's got as much cash flow to buy as he was at the tops because he was sinking in billions, wasn't he, when it was near its high? Whereas now he's just he's trying to buy more, which is obviously the right thing to do, but he doesn't have the billions at the moment. Yeah, well, his yeah, the micro strategy share price has taken like an 80% dip, hasn't it? So when that was 10xing every three weeks, yeah, I think he had a lot of spare change to be buying Bitcoin, and that's kind of dried up now. Um, but yeah, we've got El Salvador as well. They came chugging along with another 80 Bitcoin all bought at $19,000 a coin. So that's a cheeky one and a half mil for El Salvador. Well, they have been um, getting slated in the media, haven't they? Oh, yeah, the experiments failed, and it's just like, it's only half time. It's not even half time. They barely kicked off. Yeah. Yeah, when you're thinking about turning countries around a year in. So what is it like the under eight um, orange break? Yeah. (laughs) Halfway halfway through the first half. Yeah, and it's exactly, it's under eights. And it's half time in under eights, the first ever match the kids played. And you're going, he's going to be shit. He's he's fucking seven years old. He's played half a football game. You have no clue about the development of that kid yet. He could go on to be... A world-class striker you have no clue yet it's there's yeah. there's a decade listen- to play out yet i was listening to a pomp um podcast and it's talking about this saying that you know being reliant upon it now is a mistake because you're not looking far enough into the future so you've got to have a number of factors which are going to change and it's going to take time for adoption so saying that you're wrong right now is a wrong play think about in five ten years time that is when you should be looking at and it's, you know, yeah. he's trying to change a country around, right? So they were just putting, <coughs> just putting some of his money into, into Bitcoin. You know, Bitcoin is a, is a long-term savings plan. So all he's doing is securing the future of the country for, for when hard times hit and potentially hyperinflation hits the dollar. So it's, it's a hedge. He still has to govern the country and still has to make good decisions. It's just that Bitcoin allows him to make some potentially bad decisions and they still have reserves to go again. That's the whole point of this he still needs to govern well so so throughout salvador could still fail like being on a bitcoin standard because it's still reliant on bukulele's government to make the right decisions and they make poor ones but what should be good provided he isn't too close to the bitcoin himself is he can't inflate that away those funds that have been brought by the citizens and are are in the kind of in the in the cash reserves will remain there Mm -hmm. uh, as opposed to if he just had US dollars there that had been paid in taxes, that's just going to disappear with inflation. But his Bitcoin is going to sit there and it's very public. Everyone knows exactly how much Bitcoin is sat there. So when he leaves or whatever, if that Bitcoin isn't there, then he stole it. And it's, it's much more accountable. Uh, whereas with dollars, it's like, who, who knows where the government treasury is at any one time? It's just, I don't think anyone knows how much money their government has. It's just, it, it, it seems infinite until like they just but they always say they're skint and always want to tax you more there's lots of positives as well in the fact that the tourism in el salvador has increased massively so this money that they are spending they're actually recouping back and potentially getting more because people are visiting the uh, uh visiting the the country and also 
kind of moving there and emigrating to live in El Salvador, bringing their money and therefore generating more money as well. So uh, it, it's, it's a win-win, really. Well, you've also got it's very hard to do anything worse when your country's pretty much <laughs> bottom ranked on everything. Yeah. So, you know, everything which he's doing is with a long-term vision because short-term fixes don't work on country levels. Yeah. And the, the good thing is as well, like, with bear markets, it's a good test of people's conviction. So both Sailor and Brigley seem to be just sticking around. And neither of them have jumped ship because uh, it would be very easy at the moment. I think we've got some stories like later on, but when, when people start getting skint, they start to take the easy money. And there still is some easy money in shit coins. If you're a big personality and you want a quick payday, endorse some shit coins and you'll get paid. And I'm sure El Salvador could have made even more money if they had endorsed some shit coins, endorsed some NFTs. He could have made a quick buck. He would have completely ruined his reputation. It'd have all gone up in flames at this point by now. Um, or he could be doing it now, trying to salva some like PR. But instead, he's just doing exactly what a good Bitcoiner should do, which is just that you're, you're judging me on a 12-month time period. And this is a 10-year oh. plan minimum. And so, no, we're, we're all good. And we're sticking to our convictions and not straying from a Bitcoin standard and, and going into, into shitcoin land, which is you know, doomed to failure. It's, I remember when I started Bitcoin, I always said it's a minimum of five years. And I think we're only, what, a year and a half, two years in now. Yeah. So it's still a number of years. And I don't think within three years, my position will have resolved. And that's something that I've been seeing a lot of in terms of, you know, when people ask, oh, how's Bitcoin doing or Bitcoin's dead, etc. People's time horizons have massively shortened because they're like, oh, well, I should be a millionaire tomorrow. Oh, no, because there's not been any investments that I've seen that overnight have blown up like that. And ultimately, if you kind of, take that longer term approach five ten years it will come true and yeah we're going through a period of volatility right now but i'm calm it's super calm well it's because you know the principles <laughs> yeah <laughs> exactly you know like you're not investing in a share which you're told as some kind of um tip by a friend oh yeah you should buy this because a friend of a friend said that they found a seam of gold you know that kind of standard share offering which everyone's um got into this is it, it's all sound principles and i think until someone um understands bitcoin they won't get it and there's no point mm. just saying oh yeah it's because blah 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 it's just like well it's gonna i've always said it was a minimum of five year investment to come back to me in um, three and a half years' time or whatever it is. Yeah, and, and hopefully by know, then you become a Bitcoiner and then you never sell it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like you sell them in more amounts because in five years' time, I think it's going to be drastically different. I think there's going to be a lot of countries on a Bitcoin standard, you know, a lot of Africa, South America, maybe not the US and the UK, but certainly a lot of countries. Yeah. yeah. I think I'm... I'm over the five-year point now. I'm on, on my Bitcoin journey, and it's you know I've taken some out to secure parts of my life, but I still have the majority of the Bitcoin that I brought five six years ago. I still have it. And, and this I, is why you have a billion-dollar man. 
<laughs> billion. I'll put him down as the trillion. <laughs> well, no, it's only billion dollar amount at the moment. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're down right now, but it'll be up soon. <laughs> be up soon. Don't worry. So after the trillion dollar, so when he gets back up to the trillion dollar, what's after that? Quadrillion. What's after trillion? Is it quadrillion? Okay. Yeah. So yeah, we could see the quadrillion man, but I suppose the podcast may have um, run its course by that point. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, then, uh, we'll, we'll have completed it. Yeah, but what we haven't completed is a, an event. This is true. You guys still haven't been to an actual real Bitcoin event, have you? And uh, the Bitcoin conference, it's coming to Europe, coming to Amsterdam. This is huge. You know? Well, in October. Yeah. So not long, not long to go at all. It's literally, um, yeah, just over three months now. It's so Miss No Show was, um, he's on holiday, even though he didn't know the, the event dates. Um, <laughs> 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 it's like that spare sick note in your bag, just in case, and then you just, uh, just got to put the date in it. Yeah, it is is very, very tempting. So what is it, three days? Yeah, 14, yeah. 15, 16. Yeah, 12 to 14. Sorry, 12, 12, 13, 14. Yeah. And, and to be fair, I think day three is a music festival. So in reality, the conference is actually two days and then the final days of the party, which, you know, fair enough, why not? But, um, but yeah, it looks, it looks good. It's I, I think, to be honest, this is going to be, it's, I don't know whether I can go because it's going to be a little bit like baby in house, but I don't know. Potentially, if I can get away for a couple of days, then this is this looks great. Tickets are on sale now, by the way. I sign up for the alerts. Yeah. And typically, what tends to happen in these events is I think it's about 300 euros at the moment now to go, or 250, 249. Yeah, 250. Yeah. And uh, what tends to happen, the closer to the event, the price goes up. So, I'd imagine if it's like only a week before something, you'll probably be paying over a thousand euros to get in and probably even more on the door. If you don't have a ticket, it'll probably be sold out anyway. But um, yeah, so they, they want capacity. Uh, 5, yeah. Cause they, they tend to really, especially for a, a new event, they need to have confidence. This event can go ahead. So they need all the early birds to buy a shit ton of tickets. So they got a couple of million in the door to then pay for the event. And then they can be confident to actually do the event. And then, as you lead up, then all those other people just get hung, drawn, and quartered on the price, and it, it tends to go up a lot. I remember, I went to one of the one of the first Bitcoin magazine conferences ever that was in San Francisco. I paid twenty five dollars to get into that, and um, there was like hundred people there, two hundred people there. Um, but I, I paid for it like a year before, and then on the day, people were paying two fifty, and then it was only a couple of years later, it was it got moved because of the pandemic. It got moved from San Francisco to Miami, because it's the only place that was open. And then for whatever reason, it just freaking struck a chord. I mean, it's the only event, I think, in the world that was open or something. And it just went crazy. And everyone signed up for the Bitcoin Miami. And then all these celebrities turn up and suddenly Bitcoin Magazine now in this event, kind of, they were just in with all the other events before. Now they are the blue chip Bitcoin event and they have so much money. They're obviously expanding and trying to take over Europe now. And uh, so, yeah, it'd be great to have a, a huge conference where all the big celebs come. It'd be interesting to see who goes come, though, because like the Americans don't like leaving America. So mm-hmm. 
Uh, but there's some great Europe. Like most of the events I've been to are have been in Europe, and there's loads of very smart people. A lot of the developers actually were in Europe. Yeah, um, because of the fact you know I'm just engaged in the space. I do a lot of you know YouTube watching. I'm really I'm kind of like a, a excited, like a young fanboy to see these people in real life. You know, I think Pomp could be there, the Pomp Brothers could be there, uh, Lynn Alden, obviously, the Giga Chad himself, Michael Saylor, no doubt. Um, th there's gonna be so many people there and it, I'm looking forward to it as, a, as an event to, to continue to learn along what's going on in the space. Yeah. It might actually uh, weed out some of our European sports stars as well. Because we always see the American ones, don't we? Because it's always big American events. It's always the American football players, the basketball, the baseball. They're the ones on stage. And I don't really know who they are, really. I can Google them and go, oh, wow, they're a massive star. But I don't know them. But it'd be great to see some premiership footballers or some golfers, yeah. some cricket guys, like whoever. I'm sure we do have them, but they just haven't really? come out of the woodwork yet. And this might, this might weed them out. I think there's a few Dutch players and a few Germans and then um, Robson, what's his name? Robson Halkanu. Yeah. Um, so he's actually meant to know his stuff very in depth from when I was listening to, um, what was it, Kieran Gibbs? Um, yeah. When he was talking about it. So Kieran Gibbs yeah. is keen, but he plays, I think, for Inter Miami at the moment. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, you, you're absolutely right. I do think that we might see a few... Uh, is the world when's the world cup on november december okay uh, it's christmas yeah yeah so yeah it's not any kind of like break when that's going on so you, you know i think it i think this lies on what is it a tuesday wednesday thursday or something like that yeah wednesday thursday friday yeah yeah so like should they can just get flown in for like an hour yeah. that's, that's what happens in america like quite often that the you know floyd came in i think he was fighting logan paul on like a Sunday true. and he was speaking on stage on the Saturday that <laughs> obviously really counts. that's yeah it's not really a proper like event for him but it's still you know it's you, you can you can do an event like this the day before a game it's not like yeah it's that strenuous for you yeah well no worries listeners I will be reporting back <laughs> the very next day as to how it goes down so uh yeah I'm I'm booking my ticket I've got the green light, so I'm I'm going. Nice. I'm sure you could get this on expense as well. I'm sure that this could be kind of work related. Oh, this is yeah, hundred uh, percent. Oh, yeah, I've got it. Uh, I just don't. Not... I just don't think I can get it through work, unfortunately. Nice. Yeah. And then, uh, and then we've got a nice juicy story for the next one. So this is what I was alluding to, right? So this is Block Five has gone under, and um. Actually, no. This isn't. This isn't where we throw people under the bus. But um, not just yet. Nah, that's the next one. Yeah. But uh, yeah. So BlockFi seem they they've gone under. Uh, so this this these guys are being advertised on a lot of big Bitcoin podcasts. You know, a lot of the people that claim yeah. to be Bitcoin maxis have been pushing BlockFi, and they're yet another one of these platforms that you put your Bitcoin on there, and they've been promising seven eight percent gains a year, and no one really knew how they were paying that type of interest. Like who is taking Bitcoin out on loan and paying 10, 12% interest to enable 
8% to go to the person and then the company in the middle taking a cut. Like who is taking that type of type of Bitcoin loan? Well, now we know. And what who it was is this three hour, three hour capital. It was Luna. And I think it was a couple of other VC firms and trading firms that were being reckless. They were trading, they were taking out huge loans, trading it and into shit coins, into NFTs, just blanket trading, thinking they knew the market and they got it wrong and they all just blew up. So now the people that were paying the interest now have defaulted. And now not only can they not pay the interest, they don't even have the core collateral behind it either. So they've had to pause withdrawals. Uh, FTX has come in and supposedly bailed them out. So they think they can keep everyone whole. Uh, but they've bought them from an absolute snip. I think that there's like it's between 25 million and 250 million. And just to put that into context, they raised funding um, about six months ago for over 5 billion. So they have had like 95% of their value has been destroyed. FTX has just come in, got them for a snap. So Pomp and he, Pomp was one of the biggest investors in BlockFi. He used to fucking say it all the time. He said they were unicorn, they're booming. He was counting all his gains. And I was always looking at that going, that is, that's going to blow up. That is literally the, the financial crisis that happened in the real world. We're creating a mini version of this in Bitcoin slash crypto. It's right here. We, it's just clearly reckless and it's going to blow up. You can't promise people these types of gains forever. The second the market corrects, it all, all blows up. That's so what happens. Just to be clear, the people were, I, I would have Bitcoin. I would then lend and loan my Bitcoin to BlockFi. And in return, BlockFi would give me 8% or more interest backed each month. Yeah, you'd have to. You'd have to put the Bitcoin onto their exchange so they have custody yeah. of it. And then, yeah. and it would look like you've still got it, right? It'd still say, let's say you put a Bitcoin in there. It would say one Bitcoin on your account, but is it really there? That's just mm. the user interface saying one Bitcoin. How much has their hardware wallet got on it? And what's turned out, if you add up every single person's balance and, and add, add it and compare that to their hardware wallet, the hardware wallet had a lot less because they'd yeah. loaned out shit tons of it on the never never to these big trading firms and they all went bust to the tune of billions so now what's had to happen is seemingly i think the shortfall was about 250 million and they've given that i think to be fair to blockfi the one good thing they have done i think they have completely prioritized paying the customers off and all the people that had all the shares and all the investment money all that has gone to zero Okay, so, so the consumer has not been bitten in the ass for once. <laughs> yeah, whereas with all the other ones like Celsius yeah. and was it Babel or something that we had on last yeah, week? Yeah, yeah. They have gone to zero and the and the, the customers have lost everything. BlockFi seemingly have just about managed to raise enough money to make their customers whole. That no, no one's got paid yet, by the way. So this mm. is all still in theory. Their, their losses might be even worse once this all really like blows out. But at the moment, they're saying the customers are being made whole. The people that have lost is because they've raised, like I said, at a five billion valuation, a couple of hundred million or like half a billion or something like in the last year. So they had a lot of that still held as cash. They've just had to go, we lost it all. So this money we had here for like the next five years of growth, we're just going to give it out. So fair play from for doing that, because usually what would happen, the investors would come in like vultures, 
they would take all that money out and try and recoup as many losses as possible and leave the customers with nothing. So they could have done that, which would be really scummy. That's what Celsius have done, what Babel have done. It's what all everyone else have done. These guys seemingly haven't done that. So they obviously, they want to, I think their long-term plan is they want to come back. But mm. who is going to trust one of these services now? This is oh. what I don't get. So whilst FTX have bailed them out, and they've bailed them out so that they can continue business. Yeah. What business have they really got left after their business has been exposed to? Yeah, so it's basically a loan company, isn't it? Yeah. But it's um, like a decentralized loan, bringing in people to put their Bitcoin in. And it's it's always one, we talked about it in one of the first couple of episodes, because I remember it came up, because I've always looked at it. I think I remember... Oh, I think this one like Dan Held talking about this kind of like scheme saying, Oh, yeah, I put my yep. Bitcoin, I put you one of my Bitcoin in. You got a lot of people wrecked, Dan Held. Um, and I was always just like, But I don't get it. You know, if it's too good to be true, it is too good to be true. You know, yeah. you're going to get wrecked. The, the, only way they can, the, the only way they can ever bring this back is by giving you more sensible interest rates that are more sustainable. And that's going to mm. be around what the bank can give you between a half and 1%. And now suddenly, yeah. who's interested in that? The only reason why people are interested in this one is because it was 7 or 8%. And the only people that could afford to pay that on the other side of the loan were people that were being reckless that have all gone bust. So if you put sensible people on the other side of the loan, they're only paying 1% or 2%. So now, who's, who's putting their Bitcoin in for 1% or 2%? Because you're still risking 100%. Yeah, still potential 100% loss. There's no safeguard against it. And it's like, well, someone defaults on it, you're fucked. Unless there's some kind of like collateral back loan, but that's not what they offer. And I think it was on one of the earliest episodes where we talked about it, because I think um, it was Miss No Show brought it up as a potential um, use for Bitcoin in the future, and you smashed it down. I think this is, you know, I was in the kind of stage where I was like, I don't get why you would, you know, how this could be a good thing, because I just... I didn't really understand what they were doing. And now I do, it's basically just, like you said, it, it's putting on silly interest rates, which just don't work in the real world. That was a miss, missing um, piece of the puzzle for me. Yeah, the um, the promotion from people like Peter McCormack was hilarious as well. So as always, all of the notes of all of these articles are in the show notes, whether you're listening on uh, your audio, uh, device or obviously if you're on YouTube but the the picture that Peter McCormack has put on of a uh, of an Aston Martin and saying that the BlockFi interest covers the the loan repayments each month just makes you think again way to be too good to be true yeah so it's a great article this on simplybitcoin.substack, where it exposes. So you got Nick Carter, you got Pomp, you got Peter McCormack, you got Zach Prince, the CEO of BlockFi. And, you know, this is the whole Bitcoiners keep receipts. And so all these tweets are at least a year old, sometimes longer. And, oh, and you got Mr. Freaking Powerbolic, Jason A. Williams, um, who also likes to shitcoin and do all these things. Uh, he's flexing here. He's got a million dollar Bitcoin belt directly from BlockFi that he's, he's the first <laughs> yeah. person to gain a $1 million in interest. 
admittedly, he's a billionaire, right? So he would have had a shit ton of Bitcoin on BlockFi to get his million dollars of interest. And they're all flexing. And everything looks too good to be true, like you said. And guess what? It was. And uh, Nick Carter is usually a very kind of considered guy. Yeah. He's, he's completely jumped the ship because he's lost a shit ton of money in the BlockFi um, going bust because he was a very heavy investor in it. He runs a, a company that is a VC firm. And I think their biggest investment was BlockFi. So they all look like geniuses and they've been kind of reinvesting their BlockFi gains in other stuff. But the problem was those gains weren't real. They were paper gains because BlockFi mm. have not IPO'd. They have not paid out investors a single penny yet. And before they did, they went bust. And Ooh. his tweet here where he's replying to Bitcoiners, right? And he's going, there's so many financially illiterate takes on crypto Twitter recently. recently. BlockFi is a credible venture-backed company. People are comparing it to a Ponzi scheme. Morons. He said that back in March 2019. And three years later, that aged pretty poorly, right? It, it essentially was a form of Ponzi scheme because yeah. the people that were paying the people their money were essentially just gambling and being reckless. There was no sustainable model behind it. And whilst times were good, people could get paid. But once the people at the top went bust, the entire tree comes down. And, uh, and now he looks and he called us a moron for saying BlockFi was going to go bust. And, we, and he called us toxic. We were trying to protect people from exactly this. Yeah. Well, I've seen him getting absolutely slaughtered over the last week. And until I read this article, it didn't. I didn't really know why. I've just been kind of like looking at the shit storms. Peter McCormack's got shit probably ever since I've been properly on Twitter. Like, is he a bit of a shit it's just coin? Normal, it's just a normal week for him. Yeah, I've listened to him sometimes, Peter McCormack, and he seems fairly considered, but he does get slaughtered, so I don't really know the full backstory on him. He's he 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 played with shit coins a little bit, but then he's 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 a full Bitcoin maxi now. To be fair, he just has a lot of very bad takes. He's essentially he always he's, he even calls himself a, like a reluctant statist. So he keeps slightly saying inflation isn't as bad as what they say it is. We do need government to fix it. He tweeted out this is a pandemic of the unvaccinated, uh, and it just rubs a lot of Bitcoiners up the wrong way and go. Yeah. If you understand Bitcoin as well as you say you do, you know how far the corruption goes, and you know that asking for more government to fix the corrupt government is the stupidest thing you can say. And he continues to say it over and over and over again. And he gets into lots of debates on Twitter. Very quickly, he loses his call and starts insulting us, calling us morons and blocks us. So, yeah, he, he's just, he's very, I think he's very confused. I think he's a little bit low IQ and he can't quite process it all. I was going to say that. <laughs> no, genuinely, like, I don't even think that you're, you're making a joke because I watch his... <laughs> I watch his I watch his podcast. What Bitcoin did, no promotion. He can cut that part out. <laughs> <laughs> and he has some of the you know the OGs in the space and the most intelligent people in the space. Like every month, he interviews Lynn Alden, um, and and she obviously has wonderful insights. But I still don't think he gets it. And the questions that he asks are like he's a day one novice and he's just sat there absorbing it but it just passes through him like osmosis and just goes out the other end mm. and he doesn't actually get it so it is I a point do, i don't think he actually 
understands it despite the fact that he's so well like he's so in there it's unbelievable yeah, i haven't listened to enough of him but thinking back out I, I listened to one where he went to el salvador mm. and the protesters said oh yeah the president did this without asking anyone and he didn't talk about the why the president it was just literally like you said osmosis it was literally mm. protest said all this and it just went bump and he semi-agreed yeah. with him but then he semi-agreed with the president there was no kind of like linking things together saying to the protest these are the reasons and so on you know so we've talked about the fact that el salvador are on the us dollar so what does that mean to el salvador is they get their money shrank constantly and do we get any benefits such as cutting down on their debt? No, they don't because they're not the ones printing the money. So there's actually no benefit to inflation for them as a country. Yeah. Um, hence why you need to have your own currency as a country. Otherwise, you're basically fucked. You're in someone else's pocket. And it he just didn't talk about those points one bit. It was just, like you said, it was just through him every time. Yeah. 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 He's actually, actually had a couple of people on the podcast. This was admittedly years ago. I don't listen to him anymore. And the thing is, he grew to the biggest podcast, right? So he was like almost the voice of Bitcoin to a lot of normies. And it was just frustrating because he had a couple of people that didn't like Bitcoin and kind of brought them on as a debate. And he just got schooled and couldn't really mm. explain it, got like tied up. He was, you could almost see him trying to remember the points that Saifedean and Sailor had given him, but he mm. can't really recall it properly. And he's just, he fumbled over his words. And it ends up virtually agreeing with the person that's saying Bitcoin's a scam and all we need is government and controlled inflation. And you go, any competent Bitcoiner with a platform that big should be able to destroy this argument. You've had the smartest people talk to you for hundreds of hours about exactly this topic. Yeah. Just remember a couple of key points. But instead, he just goes off on these weird tangents and just doesn't answer questions. And it's just disappointing because it's happened numerous times where quite big influential people have come on his podcast to go, okay, I'm going to find out this Bitcoin thing. I've got some big questions. And then he just, he just drops yeah, the ball. He's not the guy for it. He fumbles he, it. He's not, not the guy for it. Yeah. And he all. calls himself a moron. And it's like, yeah, yeah, you are. So yes. <laughs> stop yeah, going into right. space where you're like the spokesperson. All you can do is ask smart people that know about Bitcoin questions. You're pretty good at that. And you're good at marketing it and all that don't go out of your comfort zone and start being the Bitcoin authority against Correct. people that don't understand Bitcoin, where you're answering the questions. Only ask them because it's very clear you can't retain information because yeah. if you could, we'd be all fine with him, but that he's still yeah. a statist at heart. And you go, anyone that's still a statist at heart, having listened to all these people, like him and Saifedean Amouf had a great spat on Twitter. Saifedean ripped him a new one they both blocked each other like safe dean was on his podcast i think like every two weeks for like a year they were like pretty much like best buddies and then it all exploded because peter basically got confused and think became a statist overnight because he had one chat with a guy in a bar or something undid all the good work safe dean had done so safe dean just ripped him a new one and peter just said he was getting bullied and blocked him and we all I just love, went. there's nothing better than reading a safe dean bully session yeah. yeah, and it's then it's like you got to pick between your two dads there, Safer Dean <laughs> or, or McCuck. So like, <laughs> I think we're going for Safer Dean here. So yeah. sorry, McCuck, you're on the losing team. Yeah, McCuck, we're yeah. not even coming round to your house at weekends. Not nope. every two. 
Yeah. He's interviewed uh, Naib Bukele as well. So, again, yeah. he's had some great... That was recently was as well. Well, this is the one which I watched because it was him speaking to protesters, speaking to ordinary citizens, speaking to mm. Naib. And like I said, it, it didn't, I didn't really think about it. I was just like, this is a bit strange how he did it. You know, he wasn't digging into the protesters and telling them, you know, why he went for it. It was just... <laughs> He thinks he's like he's trying to be a bit of a Louis Theroux, and he's just not. Yeah, he's, he's, he's just like Louis Theroux is super clever. So when he, he pretends, is super clever, when he pretends to be a bit naive and answers basic questions, he knows the answer. He's just trying to bait you into kind of yeah. he's, he's nudging you into an area that is by buying by buying nice, but taking you into an area you don't want to go, and you're a bit secretive about the answer. So that's why he uses this naivety that, and he isn't naive. He's extremely switched on. He's waiting for the time to ask the exact question at the right time to get the right answer. So he's, right. A, he's a genius interviewer. McCormack just comes in as just naive throughout the whole thing. <laughs> and there's no intelligence. He hasn't got the killer question. It's just, there, there is no killer question. He doesn't know what he's doing. Yeah, so I think he I followed him on nice Twitter. Like, he just might be a non-malicious nice guy. And that's why he continues to do what he does. And people just kind of be like, yeah, that's Peter. Yeah, but then he's uh, also, I don't think he is a nice guy. I think he's arrogant. I think he thinks he pretends to be a moron, but I think he secretly thinks he's super intelligent. He has a huge <laughs> ego, like, you know, flashing the Austin Martin around. You know, that's not a Bitcoin thing to do. That's a shit coin thing no. to do. He, he d- yeah. Literally, he just doesn't fit in. That's, re- that's all we can really say. So, uh, yeah, that's enough of him. That's uh, enough of him. Way too much airtime, and um, yeah, if we want to trim this down, feel free to get that up. <laughs> We're talking about dictators. We talked about um, Bukele a few times. Now we got a bit on Putin. Yeah. And uh, this is a killer thread, right? So I think it, it, it has been verified um, by a few people down below in the comments of this Twitter thread. Because they've also translated a speech by Putin on the global macro environment and it's incredible I, I must admit it's about a week old since I last read this in detail but having just skim read it again if our politicians were saying this type of stuff I would be going things are on the mend this makes sense he's reviewing where we are he's looking at sanctions he's looking at regulation he's lo- looking at inflation he's calling out for what it is and he's saying that literally what these things actually cause and just talking a lot of sense and he's the dictator who's supposed to be manic he's supposed to be crazy he wants world war three he just wants to nuke everybody whereas when i go down these quotes that are listed on here this is not these are not the words of a madman these are the words of the adult that's in the room and the western um, equivalents of this they're the madmen or just lying. But reading through here, undoubtedly, there's going to be some propaganda in there. Of course, he bigs himself up. Russia's the best. He's the best. The West is the worst. Of course, there's a little bit of that, you know, partisan um, type of game playing going on. But when you kind of cut through some of that and you just read some of the core principles of what he's saying, it just makes sense. Which, how worrying is it when the big, bad, evilest man on the planet supposedly is the one that's talking the most sense. Oh, a lovely big inflation, Fred. I love this. I think I think I read it because I saw your like on it um, on Twitter and I forwarded it to the group. So um, 
Sir Neverlook and Miss No Show could read it. So I know it's Sir Neverlook read it, but yeah. Um, um, going through some points within this, um, one of the quotes which I picked out was, this era has ended despite all the attempts to maintain and preserve it at all costs. Um, the European Union has lost its political sovereignty and its bureaucratic elites are dancing someone else's tune, doing everything they are told from on high and hurting their own people, economies and businesses. Who do you think that's about? <laughs> I'm not um, but interestingly, we've had a big, um, well, not so much big, but well, actually a big event going on in, in the Netherlands, which hasn't been covered by the media at all which is the farmers' protest. So the, the, the Dutch government are trying to cut down farmers, stop them farming their own fields <laughs> because of <laughs> nitrogen, which maybe I'm a bit dumb on this one, but what's your priority number one? It's feeding people. And then it, it's okay, you're polluting too much. What do you take away? You take away things which uh, benefit the few. So you go, no more private yachts, no more private planes. And then you... Um, have a limited amount of flights um, and basically work your way down on what's causing all the pollution. You don't go, let's take away what everyone needs to, to live, which is what they're doing. So it's very true. and it, it is a bit unsettling because we know he's invaded Ukraine. Um, it's not right. But some of the things which he said here are absolute bang on the money. I've already, so they're going on about inflation within Russia. The rubles lost no um, even though it's had all these sanctions done against it, it's lost no value against the dollar. Gone up. And so he's, sorry? It's gone up. It's gone up, yeah. Yeah, so, so he said, I've already cited this figure over the past two years, the money supply in the United States has grown by more than 38%, and then the EU equivalent is by about 20%. So... Karen reading that quote as well. We all hear about the so-called Putin inflation in the West. When I see this, I wonder who they expect would buy this nonsense. People who cannot read or write, maybe. Anyone literal enough to read would understand what is actually happening. Like, we, we need him as a guest on this podcast because he is the only one fucking talking sense. Putin inflation is clearly nonsense. Yeah. Like, we've done it to yeah. ourselves. I may stop publishing the, um, what's it called, the M2 in the US, something made to hide all this. Um, <laughs> but one of his points was... While at the end of 2019, imports to the United States are about $250 billion a month, now it's grown to $350 billion. It's noteworthy that this growth was by 40% exactly in proportion to the unsecured money supply printed in recent years. So he's actually backing it up with, um, <laughs> with what's going on. Yeah, I, I do think uh, Stack Hodler has, has, has done himself it's outdone himself here it's amazing because the thread when you read through it all just it just makes sense in terms of chronologically how things have happened then looking how uh well they are trying to blame putin with this putin inflation uh, and then just stating the facts about the money printing about um you know buying imports even faster and it's all there in black and white. Yeah. And so, he but even no then... one will hear this. <laughs> no, we don't want to hear it. I mean, no, no one will, will hear this because it's not oh. in our media, these quotes, as in no, it was no. taken from Russian TV, which someone's converted on Twitter. It's gone round because 
well, there's a Bitcoin thing, isn't it, about inflation? Mm. Yeah, and I like is is that one of the things that I never really clung on to or like thought about at the time. But Putin says it. He said, "Why did they print all that money when there was no economic activity happening?" And he said they tried to buy the global markets. They basically so when mm. there's no other buyers, the West tried to print so much money to get everyone dependent on it and almost like force people's hands into various supply deals and stuff. And whilst everyone was just desperate for money, the only money that was around was in Europe and America because they'd printed it all out of thin air. And we're just trying to just sweep everything up because we're so desperate to import so much food now. And we're trying to like shore up our supplies. And just seeing Putin kind of call that type of tactic out, going, I know what they were trying to do. And because obviously he's the kind of guy that would think about that as well. <laughs> it's probably one of a game that he may have played, but he's like, nah, that yeah. would just devastate the country too much because you'd inflate all the money. And so you're kind of doing it for your own kind of personal gain. But, um, but yeah, it's just, there's just, it's just full of fucking facts and just, and if, if any like politician that I could see that was, because we've got so many politicians, right. On various sides of various aisles, where is the competition for the politicians that did all this over the last 10 years? Where is the adversary on the other side? Just saying those quotes right there. Take Putin's there's name one. off it. There's one. One in Canada. He, yeah, Pierre, who's um, hopefully going to be the Conservative leader over there yeah. and go against Castro. Yeah. So we've got one. Uh, we haven't got a single one in Britain. I don't no. think there's another, there's a single one in Europe. And there's not a single one so in America. And there's, there's one in Canada. Right, what I was going to say there's, there's some lower down ones because I have seen some quotes of people in the UK but no one who's noteworthy whereas this Pierre guy seems like he's actually near the top and no one's really it. getting airtime either they're not getting airtime like this um, won't never really see the light of day in mainstream media Yeah, well, and if I, if I had to look to like, who is the most believable and trustworthy global leader Right now, I would say Pierre. Pierre. Pierre, he's not a global leader. He's my no. man. He, he's, a, <laughs> he's, he's an MP in, in a parliament that isn't even in power. He's, yeah. he, he, he's, if he becomes prime minister, then yeah, fantastic. I don't I'm think... Hopefully, there's not hope in how he gets there. He is against he's the He's not even in the prelims. <laughs> you know, he, he's trying out for, for the Olympics. And he, yeah, he's, and he's against the WEF golden boy. There is zero chance he wins. Absolute zero. Yeah. But, um, but it's bizarre, right? So Putin would be my guy that I would believe. If, if I wanted to like know the, the, the state of the global economy right now, Putin is the guy that I would believe the most. I wouldn't believe him 100%. I still think probably 50% of this is lies. But the other 50%, he's spot on. Whereas when I listen to any other politician in the West, it's 99% lies and misdirection. What about, what about Biden, man? He's not really he's a misdirection. He just doesn't know what's going on. He has cue cards that's telling where to sit and it says, like, you are the president. <laughs> when Sean says, president, that's you. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. But talking about corrupt politicians, you want to go on to the next story if you, in the, this nice little Ukraine story. So all these people that have been donating to Ukraine, giving it directly to the government, here's just a nice little insight as to where all that money's going. The wife of a Ukrainian member of parliament was caught crossing the border to Hungary 
and was smuggling 20 million US dollars and 1.3 million euros. And there's a nice picture of about six suitcases six, rammed yeah. full of cash. So this is literally the maximum amount of cash you can take because every suitcase does not have an ounce of clothing in. It's 100% money in six suitcases. And if this is the one that got caught, how many got through? So very clearly, a load of the money that is going into Ukraine by the billion is being smuggled out again by the same corrupt politicians that we always knew were running Ukraine anyway. Why is any of this a surprise? They're not, they're not corrupt. <laughs> they're, they're you're leader, just a, you're, a ju- you're, ju- you're just a Nazi. <laughs> There's Nazis in Ukraine as well. Well, they outlawed various parties through various propaganda saying that they were Russian supporting. So this is whilst he's been in power and before all we, this war kicked off, he banned basically all his competition from being parties. Yeah, and that sounds very Putin-like to me. Yeah, it Do you is. know who this uh, politician's wife is? Exactly. So um, is, is the, the Ukrainian member of parliament quite high up in the government? Um, let's have a look. Because I was looking prior to, you know, doing the research, I still didn't find a name of kind of where this person was linked to and whether or not they were a key member of the cabinet. Yeah, there's a link and there is a name here, but it's in Russian, so I can't pronounce it. It's like Yeheta. Yeah, it's literally, I can't even say that. It's like Russian characters. There's a picture of him. And his wife on a yacht. <laughs> yeah, I've just had a quick Google on the story. And it's come up in the Times, but back in March. Okay. So it's taken a while to filter through. Um, uh, Anastasia Kotovia. Oh, no, it's come up with a subscription thing now. Oh, it's in Daily Mail as well. So, yeah, it's not a thing. You know, Igor Kotsvisky or something like that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Anastasia Kovitska, wife of the former Ukrainian MP Igor Kovitsky, as she crossed into Hungary. Yeah, I can see that now. Yeah. And it's it, none of this is a surprise, right? We, we, I think it, you posted it in the group, like the before and after of the press articles on Ukraine. Like before, yeah. they're, they're anti-gay. There's a lot of like <laughs> racism and Nazism in Ukraine. They're seen as a dictatorship. It, it needs full revolution. It's just a very corrupt, bad country. People are trying to flee. Lots of like domestic abuse there. And then suddenly, the, the war in Ukraine, and it just flips. And now suddenly, they're, they're the best country ever. They're the pinnacle of democracy. And it's just whenever the, the, all the media flipped once, from one thing completely 180 to the other, you go, something's up. Yeah. And they didn't change overnight. They're just as corrupt as they always were. But but now it's in our interests to be supporting them because we want to buy all their natural resources off them. And obviously, in the process of that, we have to bribe everyone and pay everyone off that is in power to remove and put in our own people that are just puppets again. So what we're seeing is all the rats are leaving the ship and they take as much money as they can carry as they go. 
And uh, so I just feel sorry for all the people that think this is real and think that their money is going to actually genuinely help people on the ground. It isn't. The money you're donating to Ukraine is paying off existing politicians to leave so US and European stooges can sit there and just do nice, nice little um, supply ship deals with Europe and America on their natural resources. They're, they're pillaging it from the inside. And uh, that's what's happening. There you have it. Cancelled. Cancelled. <laughs> Just kind of like got that little thing going, going on my head at the moment, loading up the NPCs. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, Still waiting yeah. for the podcast to get deleted. My, my Twitter, they, they obviously came from my Twitter today on a couple of like tweets. But um, were, you, were you pissing someone off on a BBC thread or something and they're so sad they read through your history? Yeah, you... I don't know. They, they, I, I, I haven't done it. Weirdly, the, the tweets that got reported, they're from at least two months ago, maybe even three. So I don't know whether... You've pissed yeah, I did see that they were old. Yeah, <clears throat> it's weird. I don't know if it took them that long to review it or... I've pissed someone off recently and they've gone back through and found those three and gone, oh, they're <laughs> You'll they're be bannable. on some, like, mainstream news thread or something where you've been in so calling someone an idiot or moron or NPC or whatever, and yeah. it'll come through that, and you've just basically gone for someone who's full-on left-wing and is into that. I say fair play. I, I must admit, like, whenever... Because obviously it's about World War II and, and the Holocaust, and... I'm very careful discussing that topic because I know it's a criminal offence to even suggest that that didn't happen. So at no mm -hmm. point am I suggesting that. It's just I'm just asking questions and stating facts. So that all my tweets are just exactly that. And um, obviously, but people just get very offended about it and go, you can't ask questions about this. It's fact. Da, 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 da. Let's go, well, what about this and this? Like the numbers don't add up. And they're like, you're a Nazi. I'm like, well... We've already established you're a Nazi. At least on that one, like they're quite close to it. Like at least Nazis were involved in that one. <laughs> like <but laughs> when, you, when you're like questioning the, the lockdowns or something, I'm still a Nazi. It's like, come on, at least keep yeah. it. Like I'm a flat earther now, aren't I? Or I don't know something. <laughs> anyway, so uh, one of the things that I saw recently as well, uh, and it's more of a statement as, a, as opposed to a story, uh, that Gemini are promoting, so Gemini the exchange, are promoting their own coin. And I uh, said, uh, where have we seen this before? Which was uh, crypto.com and their CRO coin. And I wanted to just bring this up because is for me, it's kind of like an exchange killer and it puts them backwards as opposed to propelling them forwards because people get caught up in, oh, right, well, this exchange looks legit. I buy into their coin. I don't know what I can do with their coin, but then they get, then they get wrecked, don't they, ultimately, because the coin starts off at a, a certain price, people pile in and it never gets back to that price and then they've lost money. So I'm hoping, well, it's too late because they've already done it, but Gemini, don't do it. Crypto.com, I've already done it. Coinbase, I don't know if you've got your own coin because I'm not interested. 
But uh, um, yeah, they have, haven't they? It was I, just... I think they. I think they do. As I was saying, as we, we went it's on just, that. Just, it's just a stable coin, though, so they're not trying to profit off that one. Well, this mm. is what this is what the Gemini one is. It's a stable coin. So oh. we went on that um, on that conference about crypto use and remittance and basically oh, yeah. stable coins in order to get around the remittance fees around the bank. <laughs> so, so it requires you to collect the cash on one side and then transfer it into another currency on the other. So it requires, you know, a bunch of, bunch of reserves, but it cuts out, you know, like the Visa network or whoever they're using. So instead, there's this like kind of bespoke remittance network, which is used instead. And that's the whole purpose behind it. I understand why they're doing it. I just don't think it's the answer because it's still adding on percentages here, there and everywhere. Mm. Yeah. If it's just a stable coin, then it's largely fine. Because obviously, if, if you're going to be a shitcoin exchange, people are going in and out of shitcoins constantly. And people want to be in a shitcoin for like an hour and out. And you want, you want a place of safety. And it's easier to come out into a stable coin than it is to come out into dollars or pounds. Because like you said, it's all that remittance and banks need to get involved. If it's just their own stable coin, it can still be dollars or pounds but you just come out into it, you sit there out of the market, and then when you want to trade again, you go back into shitcoin land, out of the stablecoin, do your trading, come back out. Where crypto.com is very different is that is not a stablecoin. That is its own coin. Binance have its own coin as well. And the only use case for the coin, because it isn't useful for coming out of safety out of trades, because it's still a tradable coin. So it could still drop by 80% in an hour. So it's not a place of safety, like say the pound or the dollar type stable coin is, because it shouldn't do that mm. unless it's the day that it does fall. But they basically just go, if you trade, if you hold your core balance in our shitcoin, then when you go into trades, we'll give you like five, 10% off fees. So that's, they're basically paying you to use their coin and go in and out and come back to their coin and your trades are then cheaper. But these models, they're always like a good kind of incentive in the early days because it's it gets people in and it gets people kind of hooked to your coin a little bit. But fundamentally, when you go out long enough, you're paying people to use your coin and give them a forced discount. Once the market matures and all the fees kind of settle, you can't continue to pay people those huge percentages of because the fat's already gone. So these coins will always go to zero in the end. And... um so it's a flawed model, but I don't think Gemini are doing that. It's just a stable coin. And uh, so, yeah, who cares? Ooh, there we go. But, um, but have you, did you see, actually, there's a clip of the two freaking Winklevoss brothers on stage. They're in a band now doing covers. <sighs> One's on guitar and one is singing. And, oh, my God, like they're two six-foot-five, like, monsters, aren't they? But yeah, they're yeah, so yeah. cardboard and wooden. And they're yeah. singing like some like cover of a rock song, and oh, it's horrendously bad. So uh, I really hope that their um, exchange long lasts as longer than their music <laughs> career because it was horrendously bad. They're called oh, something like yeah. "Going to Mars" or something like something weird. Like just guys, just stop it! It's horrendous. <laughs> yeah, just don't do it. Like. Yeah. You got another story yeah, about the yeah. Wall Street. Yeah, I do. So um, so I saw this and I was just like, mm, this is interesting. So Jordan Belfort previously was anti-Bitcoin. 
an anti-cryptocurrency? I think for two reasons. First reason was he doesn't he didn't get it. So I think now he's had the humility to actually look into it and understand it. But two, he's kind of, you know, coming at it from a new position of he doesn't want people to lose money because once upon a time he used to rape and pillage people for money uh, by getting them to buy into penny stocks, which were effectively previous years shit coins. So, um, so now he's saying that if you were to invest in Bitcoin, have this longer time horizon and don't think of it in such a short term horizon, which is wise and sensible. Um, but it just goes to show once again that people are continuing to educate themselves about Bitcoin and therefore changing their minds, you know, productively about what Bitcoin actually is. So it's a, it's a sensible, sensible argument. Yeah, I don't trust him though. He's, uh, yeah. I, I, basically, whenever I see this type of stuff, right, he, he went full no-coiner, realized yeah. the space was massive, then kind of went shit-coiner. And now I think he's pretending to be a Bitcoiner because it's a great way of building an audience. Because you're right. It's the first time he's appeared here. He's slightly positive, isn't he? So he's trying to build yes. some credibility. By, and it wouldn't surprise me if he tries to wheedle his way on to some Bitcoin podcasts to build a bit of an audience, get people to respect him. And then you know yeah. what's coming? The Jordan Belfort, Wolf of Wall Street, shitcoin. Yeah. And boom, he, he, that's the, the exit scam. Build up an audience, scam them. And uh, I don't trust this guy as far as I can fucking throw is him. He, is he a billionaire or did he have all his money confiscated off him? Oh, all the money was uh, pretty yeah. much gone. I think he's made money again since, but, um, you know, nowhere near to what he once was. Yeah, and he knows that this could be hundreds of millions. <clears throat> yeah, and I think you're spot on, um, Mr. Rawlin, in terms of, because I used to actually think about this quite often with uh, Robert Kiyosaki. I actually didn't think that he was a true Bitcoiner because he would still always talk about gold, still talk about silver and crypto, in his words, were, you know, it was the, the hot topic that would get views. If he said that, if he said Bitcoin, it would get him more views and it would bring people along in the space. I'm yet to see him flip flop back into something else. He's still, I think he gets it slightly. I think he's just stuck in his way because he's old. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Um, I, I think he's never I mean, I mean, in stocks. I think he was just salty in the early days. It was literally just he missed it, and he mm. he, he claimed to be like the best investor ever. I think even after he got caught like basically scamming and not investing anyway he was one of these people that had a big ego bitcoin had been around for like five six seven years and he just had to go oh no it's it's a scam i've looked at it and i've dismissed it because i'm that yeah. smart and then it's gone on another five years and he's gone oh fuck i was wrong and now he's having to eat some humble pie and i think it's the classic affinity scam now where he's yeah. coming in trying to pretend to be humble build up some followers that are bitcoin related 
and then he's going to dump on them some type of shit coin. I can almost guarantee within the next year, Jordan Belfort will have a shit coin out of his own. And that, that, that'll, late, that'll be why he's doing it. Yeah, well, the, kind I of, think, yeah, he is very I late. Think, but then I think this be, kind of like, you know... be first in the next bull market, though. Yeah, mm. but I feel like the next bull market will be something else because this one was shitloads of options for different retail investments as well as the, um, the Bitcoin on the balance sheet was what this cycle seemed to be around. So I think the next one and is going to be... It's going to have to be an evolution, isn't it? There was, there was still just a lot of shit coins with, with celebrity names on. The, the tried and tested still works. Do you think that's going to happen on the next cycle? Yeah. Every single cycle, people think shit coins are dead and that people won't fall for it again. And then they fall for it again. It, it'll be wrapped <laughs> up in a slightly different flavor. Like there'll be something like the, the new one this time was JPEGs on the blockchain. We haven't seen that one before. That's a n- yeah. new level of stupid. But what about Dink Dunk? Yeah, see, it's a shit coin. And it probably made the founder. But, it had, but it had cartoons on it as well. Yeah, see, it's yeah, it's got a shit coin with, with pictures on. So who knows what the next one's gonna be? Shit coins with holograms on, shit coins with M and M's. It was shit coins with technology this as well. There's quite a lot of oh yeah, smart contracts or it does this or it does yeah. this. It's like, well, it's yeah, not a currency then, is it? It's not a currency, it's a technology. Yeah, but yeah. they all, all had a token. Yeah, a, bit, a big theme was the Ethereum killer. Ethereum hasn't delivered, mm-hmm. so we're going to do it better. And uh, it, yeah, so that launched another hundred shit coins that were all Ethereum, but better, and but, they all failed but, as well. But what we're saying is that Ethereum is the Ethereum killer. <laughs> <laughs> Ethereum within Ethereum. Yeah, yeah. Ethereum will kill itself. Yeah, it didn't. Yeah, it didn't need killing. It wasn't alive in the first place. Then, uh, talking about right. something that wasn't alive in the first place. You talk about fucking Peter Schiff. <laughs> yeah, let's exactly. Let's end on uh, a, a good note. And that's Peter Schiff has had his bank account closed. Yeah. And uh, sorry, the, the word I put the word account in there, it's actually wrong. His bank. He actually runs a bank in Puerto Rico. Oh, right. Yeah. So yeah. it's so not only his personal money, but a load of other people's personal money. And um, Peter's always been doing this, and he's been quite... Whenever he comes on podcasts, he refuses to talk about his bank, and all he talks about is gold. And then he talks mm. about Bitcoin being a scam, being a Ponzi, tax evasion, blah, blah, blah. It turns out Peter Schiff has been running a bank in Puerto Rico, allowing people to, ta- to dodge taxes from all around the world. And the, the authorities have finally lost their like their, their, their edge of him and just closed his bank account down and, and his whole bank frozen all the assets inside because he's basically enabling tax evasion on a global scale. Because I do know this. I, I obviously, I was helping set up a bank in Puerto Rico and they were going down these same types of things. And there's lots of very unique regulation in Puerto Rico that means it has all the benefit of being in America, but it isn't America and can kind of do whatever the fuck it wants. But it's still in a very much a grey area, and it's a matter of time until some other jurisdiction who's lost a shit ton of tax revenue comes and comes for you, and they pay off the, the Puerto Rican government, who are all super corrupt, and they'll just come in and close you down. And that seemingly is what's happened to Peter. And obviously, it's hilarious because this is just a free fall for uh, the point to now. this one late. Um, oh, he's back. You had a bit of a pause. Oh, yeah. you pause. So. Um... 
great quote in this is the reason regulators gave for ch- tuning down the sale is that um, post-sale I would own 4% of the company by my bank. That's they yeah. said that due to a bad, bad press about me, they did not want me owning 4% of the bank. <laughs> I love that, yeah. because of the bad press. No, Peter, it's because you've been laundering money for people for decades. <laughs> like That's why they don't want you running the bank. And I must admit, as a Bitcoiner, I don't think he's done anything wrong. I think this is all completely fine. People should to do what they want with their money, but it's play funny. all the tax loopholes. But it's hilarious because it's happened to Peter. And obviously, we all pitch self-sovereignty, take custody of your money, don't leave it mm-hmm. in a bank. And why? Because even if you run the bank, you might lose your money. And that's what's <laughs> happened to Peter. <laughs> Couldn't have happened to a nicer bloke. And what's funny is that he's actually announcing it all over Twitter. It's like, dude, the only people that follow you are Bitcoiners. Like, I don't even follow him, but every tweet he does appears in my feed because Twitter always like, we know you want to troll him. Like, we know, we know you've got a comment. So it's like every single tweet appears in my feed. And this one was just, it was like a gift from the gods. I had to check the date. Like, is he baiting me? Is it April 1st? This is just, yeah. this is a gift from the gods that Peter's lost all his money that he's kept in his own bank account. And he's literally his own bank and he's still lost his money. And it's weird because he's just being so open and frank about it in the fact that, you know, he's saying, you know, I've lost money because it's a small fortune to run a small bank. And the compliance costs are, uh, are outrageous, yeah. and that there was no notice at all given. So, that, although he's lying about that because he's been investigated for years, years uh, and years and years, and he's been his petulant self, not agreeing to stuff, thinking he's clever, missing meetings, doing all that bullshit. So, what's happened is they've lost. They've just come to the end of their thread with him and gone, "Fuck it, you're not, uh, you're not allowing us to audit you." So we're just closing it down. We're taking away your licensing. We're taking away your access to bank accounts. We're taking away your SWIFT license. And that means you can't move any money. And we've frozen all your accounts. Boom. Done. Now we will audit it in our own fucking sweet time without needing you. And um, I can guarantee he's going to potentially, he's going to have to flee Puerto Rico because the type of crimes this is, it's super fucking serious for Mm. every single dollar you have for each person is like nearly it, its own federal crime if that if tax was owed on that money and you looked after it and allowed someone to move it you are implicated in that money laundering and he isn't the bank of america or barclays or hsbc he's a little shitty bank in puerto rico that has a few thousand clients they're all high net worth individuals that have been basically tax avoidance and money laundering he is so fucked um there's there's a there's a tweet in here that I found as well that I, I liked. And it says, hey, Peter, you should try this thing called Bitcoin. It's unconfiscatable. So these corrupt banks can't just freeze your friends. Have you ever heard of it? Whoever tweeted that as a smart fucking guy. <laughs> it may have been me. <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely loved it. Loved it. <laughs> it's a uh, karma karma's a bitch eh that's the beautiful thing this is why i do like bear markets to a certain extent it like at least it exposes all the scammers and all the people yeah. that are running various schemes and getting away with it and going bitcoin is a stupid shit coins are better these yield farming places are better bank accounts and gold is better when recessions hit and proper bear markets hit we all these services that we told 
were being run on lies and hopes and dreams and unicorns. Once it really comes back to it and we really see who is running a sound business, they're going to go bust and you're going to lose everything. Not just a little bit, not 95%, not 99%, 100% of what you have will go with these companies. And that's what's happening. It's happening right across the space. And people in Bitcoin, of course, have been hurt, but we're, we're down like 65% or something, which is still like yeah. bad. But that's, you've still got 35% and we know we're all getting that back. And in reality, you've still got 100% of your Bitcoin. You didn't lose any sats. You lost the exchange rate of dollars and pounds, but you didn't lose your sats. Whereas these people have lost their core principle of their investment. It's gone. Put it into a platform and then the platform just went bust and you never saw it again. You've still, everyone with the Bitcoin on their ledger, if you had one Bitcoin this time last year, you still got one Bitcoin. Can't exchange it for as many dollars right now, but you still got your one Bitcoin. Yeah. There we have it. Peter Schiff, not only did he lose his Bitcoin, he's even lost his fucking dollars. <laughs> and I bet he doesn't even have any gold. And <laughs> yeah, actually, you know what? Paper Jesus gold. Jesus Christ. I've just realized Mr. Schiff is probably potentially on the run. How is he going to take his gold of him? Yeah. <laughs> and also, because we missed last week's show, I mean, we spoke about it in our group offline, but there was a doubling of gold in, with the uh, the gold found in Uganda. Yeah. Is that actually fully confirmed? Yeah. I, I've, yeah, yeah. I've actually looked on multiple sources to see that as well. I, I keep looking at the price of gold, expecting it to halve, but it just shows that the price of gold is just bollocks because no one seems to care. If, if yeah. someone discovered that the, the, the amount of Bitcoin had doubled overnight, Bitcoin would go to zero, and rightfully so. So how gold hasn't gone down is just like, clearly no one in that market is legit. I don't think there's many people in, in gold that is actually trading it because surely that news would make you run for the hills, but it just hasn't. And by the yeah. way, since we've been on the pod as well, we've gone up a thousand dollars. We're over twenty k again. Oh, boom! As if that's happened. There you go. We'll take that, and uh, and we'll end the show on the high note. Peter Schiff, your bank's been closed. We're up a thousand with Bitcoin. This has been brought to you by Mister Orlin, aka the Trillion Dollar Man, Doctor Evil Ten Percent, aka the People's Champ. Myself, Sir Neverlook, aka you know it, the excellence of execution. And she was here, but she's never here. Mrs. No Show. Still didn't show up to this show. So if you've got all the way to the end of the podcast, well done you. And that's us signing off. <laughs>